Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I am one of your hosts, Kim France. And I am Jen Romolini. And I just want to say something before we get started, which is that I realized that in our last episode, I believe it was when I talked about my mental health crisis, which was about 17 years ago, um, I talked about it the way I always do, which is by saying I went crazy. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that that was not a great way to go with this. That, you know, I'm not demystifying anything about mental illness if I refer to myself as having gone crazy. And I also understand that hearing that might be triggering for people. I didn't get called out on it, but I felt like I should. And so I just wanted to mention that I will, from now on, when I mention my mental health crisis, do it in a more um, appropriate way. Yes. And I think that's very good of you being proactive and especially in the world we live in now, like sort of reconsidering the language we use. And, you know, there's, there's an argument that we should not be using throwing around the word crazy around that it's really ableist that we should think Mm -hmm. of new adjectives instead of being like, that's insane because it's ableist because mental health is mental illness is such a real thing. And it probably is triggering for people and we should be careful about how we're talking about it. And I've been noticing it in myself too. I use crazy a lot when I shouldn't. Yeah. It's just, um, I do it because it obviously makes me uncomfortable. It's not an easy thing to talk about. And so that's my default, but it's, it's, it's not appropriate. And I don't think that we have to be so precious about everything, but I think that when it comes to a conversation about mental health, I would like to think of myself as being on a good side of it. And I didn't feel like I was a good on the good side of it when I said that. Well, you were minimizing it, right? Because it's yeah. easier to minimize it and it's easier to be self-deprecating and make a joke out of things. So yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, and I think that's good. Yay. Um, okay. Okay. What else? What else is happening? (laughs) Well, I just had Memorial Day weekend out here in Sag Harbor. Mm -hmm. Um, My brothers were out. Their kids were out. 
couple girlfriends were out and there were just like at any given moment in the backyard, like teenagers, you know, pretending they didn't just smoke a lot of pot. <laughs> um, and it was kind of fun. I yeah. kind of enjoyed it. It was super fun, but I did realize firsthand how embarrassing, how, how, how much you can embarrass the teenagers in your life in a way that you've been telling me about forever. It's so easy. It's just everything you do is embarrassing. Just like walking is embarrassing. <laughs> just, you know. It's so funny because my nephews will be very, they're teenagers now. The youngest one is 15 and, and, and they'll still be affectionate with me. But when the, when the other kids are around, mm, no, 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 no. But it was fun. It was fun to have all the kids around. And it's nice to be out here in, I guess I always call it the country, which is a little obnoxious because <laughs> it's just a, a, you know. Are you going to start using summer as a verb? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> never. Never, never. What else is going on with you? Oh, nothing. I've been, um, I've had a return to exercise this week. Oh my God. So good. What have you been doing? Well, I find with my increasingly creaky joints and body, I have to be careful about re-entry into exercise. I can't mm -hmm. just like go out, put on some sneakers and, you know, go out and start running, like flailing around like Phoebe from Friends, you know, yeah. I have to, I have to sort of ease into it. So what I've been doing is, um, I've been trying to walk at least 8,000 steps a day whatever, no big deal. Sometimes I've been sprinting during those walks. I've been trying to like jog as much as like my lung capacity will allow. But then in combination with that, I've been doing 20 minutes of yoga in the morning when I wake up. That's so great. Because I feel like I have to, if I, if, if all my muscles are tight, that's how I injure myself. If I have like sort of, if I feel like a little loosened up, then I feel like I can do the cardio better. So I've just been trying to exercise and I have to say I have more energy from exercising. And, you know, I, I was doing like really hardcore cardio during the pandemic. I was doing like hit. Well, I don't, I don't even really know what that is, but it's like intermittent like cardio. And then, you know, I don't know. It's I just watch me make weird movements. <laughs> like, and I was lifting some weights and, and I injured myself a couple of different times. Like I hurt a knee, I hurt an ankle. I, you know, I just was like hurting myself. I hurt a shoulder by doing too many jumping jacks, like stupid, stupid injuries. So I'm just keeping it very, very basic. Um, but I, I, I was feeling sluggish and I was just, I, I felt like I had to start exercising. And a lot of people ask us, you know, what do you do for exercise? Well, this is what I'm doing. I do yoga with Adrian. I find the one that says 20 minutes, you know, 20 mm -hmm. minutes and under in the morning. It's so easy. It's on YouTube. You hook it up to your TV or your laptop. And then I'm using the streets of Los Angeles <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to run around in the morning. But that's the best. I mean, I've always thought running was a, was a, a skill I'd like to have because you can do it anywhere. You just need your sneakers. And I don't, I can't, I mean, literally, I think I can run for about, you know, 60 seconds, two minutes right now, but it's a combination of having that, you know, getting your heart rate up and then walking and then getting your heart rate up and then walking. And I feel like that's good. And I've been listening to, so this is the other thing I wanted to talk about. I've been listening to um, all books on codependency on tape while I'm <laughs> exercising, which is, I have to say, I feel like codependency is the key that's going to unlock the door 
to my best life, like sorting out how to stop being codependent with every fucking person in my life is Mm -hmm. really the key to my, um, speaking of mental health and my relationships. Um, but I, you know, it's so corny and these books are so old and like, it's like the eighties, let's go back to the dance of anger, but I feel Mm -hmm. like they're also fundamental, (laughs) you know? So anyway, that's, that's what I've been, that's what I've been up to. Um, that's basically what I've been up to is sort of like trying to reconnect to myself. Well, let me just say first off that I could not even run 60 minutes. I mean, 60 seconds if somebody was chasing me. 60 se- Come on. You could run 60 seconds. If someone was chasing me. <laughs> like if my life depended on it. I could. Otherwise, I'd be like, oh, oh. But I worked out. I was good during the early days of COVID. Right. You know, I did yoga every morning and then I danced around my apartment for 30 minutes and it made me really happy. And then I got this stupid knee injury, but there's all sort of sorts of yoga for bad knees. And I really just have to get back on the exercise horse because truly, I mean, also everybody out here in the summer, I share this house with my brothers mm-hmm. and also my mom. And um, my mom swims in the bay every day and my sister-in-law showers every morning and my <laughs> older brother goes and swims at the Y. And, like they've all got like in the morning when I'm just like loafing out of my room. They're like in your shorts, eating their granola and berries. Stop. Stop. You know what else is a good exercise that I've been trying to do is planking. I've been planking. I can plank for about two minutes. I can kind of make it to two minutes before I start. Like my body just breaks down. shaking. Yes. But planking, I feel like is also an easy, nobody has to see you solitary. You don't need any equipment. You're not going to injure yourself. I feel like planking is an excellent exercise. And well, you stay very still while you do it. So it has that going for it. It has that going for it. And it's just kind of like, you know, you put the timer on your, um, you put the stopwatch on your phone and you just try or timer and you try to do it as long as you, you can. And I I'm up to about two minutes. That's great. Maybe we should do an episode about fitness. Fitness scares people. Would that be the most boring episode ever? I mean, no, because it would be us asking dumbass questions about <laughs> fitness. <laughs> it would basically be comedy. <laughs> Oh my God, what a waste of an authority. (laughs) Oh my God, just, I mean, how are you in PE? Like, what was your, wait, wait, you were an athlete. We've discussed this. No, 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 no. I think I could have been an athlete. It's very different. I think I had some athletic ability, which I squandered. I was never, I always thick glasses, always uncoordinated, got literally three concussions in PE. (laughs) Yes. All dodgeball related. Dodgeball related, dodge fucking ball related. And then one time I got hit in the head with a volleyball as well. I was never the first picked. (laughs) I was definitely never the first picked. No, it was always the last, like, I'll take Romolini if I have to. so when we, when I was growing up, even more than when you were growing up, being an athlete, if you were a girl in Houston, Texas in the late seventies was not considered a cool thing. Right. Right. You know, and then I went to boarding school and in boarding school, sports were required for everyone Oof. after school, after school, everybody had to do a sport. And there was like, you know, dance class or, you know, there were always options that were kind of soft, but yeah. um, you had to do a sport. 
And all the cool girls were like really good at sports. And it was a revelation to me. It was so different than how I grew up. I can't believe like field hockey. Like I just, I can't, I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just really the end of it. And then I almost failed. I really almost didn't graduate high school because I refused to do PE. There was just a point where I was like, this does not work for me. And mm. we were doing square dancing. I remember having to square oh, dance in square PE dancing. and be like, I don't want to do si do with like, you know, Ralph, you know, whatever this kid is, Alfie Mano. Sorry, that's a real person from high school. <laughs> but like, I didn't want, I didn't want to do it. And I, um, I just kind of refused. And then I had to spend, anyway, it doesn't matter. I've, I almost didn't graduate high school because of PE. I mean, and other reasons. I was, I was not a great student. Um, anyway, yeah, PE, but I'm trying in my old age to just extend, extend the life of this machine as much as I can. And I understand, I understand it needs to move in order to keep going. Yeah. I mean, people have been telling me for years, don't wait till your fifties to get in shape. Don't wait. And I've had, and I've had some good stretches where I've been working out, but I really, I, I've got to do something. I feel like then there's those stories. It's like, you know, you hear the things of like, oh, it's too late or like, oh, it's so much harder when you're older and like, sure, sure, sure. But then like, you also hear the stories of like, you know, the 75 year old who became a marathon runner. Like, I feel like we can do anything if we just get over the hump of thinking we can't, you know? No, it's true. It's true. But fuck those 75 year old marathon runners (laughs) for making me feel bad about myself. I mean, no, they seem, I would like to be a swimmer, but I will never be. I don't have the, yeah. Do you know that when I was in college, I was an incredibly fast swimmer? That makes sense to me. You're a pretty good swimmer. I mean, I've been away with you and you've swum and I've been like, that's, I didn't know that she had those skills. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was a really fast swimmer and I kind of gave it up when I moved to the city and it seemed gross to swim in public pools. Um, even though I know it's clean, but it just, something about it just always seemed kind of gross. Well, it's the bathing cap that always gets me that you have to wear the bathing. I was just like, I, or whatever it is, the swim, I, uh, no, I didn't want to wear a condom thing on my head. I understand. And even if you wear the condom thing on your head, it protects the pool, but it does not protect your hair from chlorine damage. No, no. And then your hair is like trapped under there and it's just weird and gross. I didn't like, and goggles, the whole, I just, it's too much. It's all too much. Um, anyway, that's our exercise. That's our exercise talk. (laughs) (laughs) That concludes our exercise segment. Um, okay. Go, go ahead. You'll go. Well, i this is a kind of a bummer. Go ahead. I'm going to bring up now. Well, we haven't talked at all about the shooting in Texas. Oh, God. All right. (laughs) And I know I'm bringing things way down. Are you bringing that up because of that one commenter who was like, are we really going on your blog? Who was like, no, 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 no. It's not why I'm bringing it up because I I responded to that commenter. Yes. Who was a very beloved commenter. And I I responded. Um, But I read an op-ed today by this guy who said, and I'd read a little bit about it on Twitter over the weekend. And didn't know whether to believe it because it was on Twitter. I read that a couple of families of the slain children were considering having open caskets. Oh, And so this, and I don't know if that's true at all, but I did read this op-ed in the times today from a guy who was saying, we should absolutely see those photographs. People need to understand what automatic weapons do. And he compared it to Emmett Till, who was 
a black 14-year-old, I believe, who was beaten by white supremacists in 1955 or so, and his mother insisted on an open casket. She said, the world should see, and those photos were all over the world, the world should see what these people did to my boy. I mean, it's every time I hear or read anything about this, I just burst into tears. I cannot, it's an intolerable, it's intolerable that this keeps happening. It's intolerable that I don't think anything's going to get done. It's intolerable that Joe Biden keeps saying, you know, we need to do something. And it's like, fuck you. You're the fucking president. Like, I know it's the Republicans fault, but also fuck you and fuck them. And the fucking police, that whole story. I was listening to the, the daily today. It's an hour before they went in there. No, they deserve all the shame. There were 20, there were 19 police officers standing. And they subdued subdued parents. They subdued, I would have been, I would have been murdered. They would have had to have (laughs) shot me before. There's a woman, there's a woman. And again, I've only read about it on Twitter. So who knows if it's true, but apparently there was maybe a woman who, a mother who got there, got out of the handcuffs, went into the school and got her kids. Yes, I did see that as well. But there were 19 police officers standing outside that classroom, and there are little girls calling on the phone, the, the 911, saying, please save us. There's somebody shooting us. They're still shooting us. And there were more shots fired. They were there for more than a fucking hour. I think it was like 78 minutes or something. It is so astonishingly cowardly. And I'm glad at least the Texas chief of police was like, these guys fucked up. At least nobody's trying to like do anything other than place blame where it needs to be. It just feels like if it's one of those things and it's, look, it's one of those things about living in America right now. You feel, I feel like down is up, up is down. I feel utterly helpless. I feel like there are no politicians who can do shit. I feel like nobody in charge can do anything about anything that's important. We have a minority rule country. Fucking Ted Cruz can eat a fucking bag of dicks. That fucking guy. No kidding. No I, kidding. Trump doing his little dance after being in the NRA convention. There's the secret NRA tapes that I listened to that they that came out this weekend. I listened to on, on NPR of their reaction to Columbine and them mm. trying to strategize what they were going to do and how they were going to message their fucking like, this isn't our fault. Well, maybe we should start a fund for the victims. Oh no. Then we'll be taking accountability. This mm-hmm. is why do we need these guns? Nobody needs these guns. They don't need them to shoot a deer. Why does anybody they, need them? Nobody needs an automatic semi-automatic weapon in their personal possession. And it's, they want the guns because they think we're going to take the guns from them. That's why they have the guns, because they think there's going to be a revolution. And when the revolution happens, they're going to be stuck with no guns. How is it harder to buy Sudafed than it is to get a gun? How is it harder to, you know, get a, a license than it is an for a car? And a bo- Well, let's not even, let's just, let's not even get into polarizing issues. Let's just talk about a license to drive a car. How is it yeah. harder to get that than it is to get a gun? I I am beside myself with rage and and just 
brokenheartedness to the point that it is intolerable to even look at it because it's so embarrassing to live in this country. It's other people, other countries that have banned these kinds of weapons don't have these kinds of incidents and that's it. Yep. And when we banned these weapons, we had fewer of these incidents. Yep. Yep. It's, 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 it's upsetting and infuriating. And I, like you, don't see the situation improving until these young kids who went to school learning active shooter drills are of an age when they get involved in politics. I just, I don't, I see, I think that those kids, you know, I listen to my nephews, those kids are just pissed off about the world they're inheriting. And I do have some hope that they'll make a difference, but you know, that's certainly down the road. I, I mean, I, I, I could get into real sort of anarchist thinking. Like I could get it. Like when I really think about what, who, who's doing anything, Nobody's doing anything. Chuck Schumer, Nancy, nobody's doing anything. And what are we offering these kids? Who are we, who are we putting up as candidates to offer these kids like hope? No, there's no, there's nothing. It Mm -mm. feels like such a, it just feels like we're just stuck and we can't get out of it. And everybody's, we're afraid of these gun owners. We're afraid of them. We're afraid to take a stand on this. You go. No, I mean, I agree. I agree. I think we've all got to be out in the streets. I think it's, you know, somebody said that many people said that on social media, fuck a moment of silence. Let's go scream. Oh, fuck thoughts and prayers. Fuck thoughts and prayers. Yes. Okay. 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 I brought us here. I feel a responsibility to steer us out of here. All right. Steer us out. So, um, I heard some gossip this morning about (laughs) (laughs) someone who is like, you know, a very iconic, cool girl from for women your age and my age. Mm-hmm. And like a feminist cool girl. Not okay. feminist with the capital F, but definitely part of her whole story. Okay. Super cool. Okay. Um, and I heard she had a facelift. Okay. And I was <laughs> like, wow, that's that's good gossip. But then I was like, I don't even like gossiping anymore. I, I used to really love to gossip. And now I also don't hear as much good gossip, but like that, that thing that it satisfies that kind of ugly little flowering inside of you, you know, and it, it's a, it's a close cousin to talking shit. Yes. Cause gossip often, often turns into talking shit. And I know we've talked about that on the show a little bit, but I was just like, Hmm, who can I share this with? And then I was like, okay, yeah, no one. I mean, I'll tell you after we're not recording yes. anymore, but of course. But, um, but I was thinking about that, like the purpose of gossip and how it doesn't really, doesn't get me going anymore. Well, gossip is just, it's, it's, well, first off it's toxic, right? It's a toxic communication. It's a way of, it's just a way of making yourself feel better when you feel bad, but it doesn't make you feel better. I told you, I heard that like delicious gossip about like basically a nemesis a couple of weeks ago. And I started sharing it gleefully. And then I was like, Ooh, now I feel disgusting. I feel like, I feel like I've, I feel like I've like drank sour milk. Like I feel so gross. And Yeah. If you start to become a person who's okay with yourself and your place in the world, like gossip, like it doesn't like also a lot of the times the gossip 
my compassion is now winning out, you know, like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, that's actually sad. Like that's, that's, that's sad that she did that. She must be in a bad place, you know, like, but also fucking, I would get a facelift. There's no, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I would get a facelift. I've got no, I've got no problem with it. It was just, there was a little dissonance and, and, and that was interesting to me, but yeah, I think it is about trying to make yourself feel better when you don't feel good, especially about yourself. And it's just like you feel like you ate too many marshmallows when you're done. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just like, and it just like rots inside of you. And then, then the worst part of it is, it's like not, is that it's an exchange and it's like a bad energy exchange. You know, I like, it's like, nobody wants that. No, nobody wants mm-hmm. you to hand them that, that like turd, you know? Like, no. Oh, here's your, here's for you. Now share this with me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, there's so much better. There's so many better things to be talking about. And, and I don't know, I've been enjoying my, I mean, look, certainly there are people who are detestable over the weekend. A person told me a story that was not gossip. It was a person, it was a person told me a story that had happened to them with somebody who, you know, we all like kind of look up to or whatever, like instant, like a person whose out external image is not what they're like to engage with in real life. And it was a pretty fucked up thing that happened to my friend who was telling me this story. And that wasn't gossip. That was my friend being like, can you fucking believe this fucking person? That's different. That's different because that's something that happened to you personally. It's a, it's a, you know, wow, people really can be assholes. That's surprising. That's, Mm -hmm. I think that's different than like just gossiping about something that happened to somebody else that has nothing to do with you. Or like when Paul, when you met Paul Mm -hmm. and he was very impressed with someone who your ex-husband, your ex-husband, who your husband used to work with. That's what I meant to say. Yes. I did not mean to say ex-husband. Yes. Yes. Um, and you were like, oh, he's awful. <laughs> that was just sharing information. Yeah. It's just good to know. Yeah. Well, because also at this point, my life's goal is to just have a band of non-assholes and to keep the assholes away from me. Like I just, my whole life's goal is to just build a community of non-jerks and just be like, oh, we're just marching as an army of non-jerks together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but then what do you do when you do something jerky? Like it's only a matter of time before I do something jerky ever. No, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about a minor jerk. I'm talking about your whole MO is, you know, selfish, self-promoting, a charlatan, you know, these people, phonies, like just phonies, phonies, phonies will say something to your face and go talk shit behind your back. Just like, just people who are just jerks who are not trustworthy, slippery. And sure, if we're bringing compassion and into that, you know, these people are damaged and hurt and maybe they're ambition monsters. You know, this whole book I just wrote about people who are just like, have to have it because it has to fill my soul, you know? Mm -hmm. But there are people whose motivations are a little off and a little negative and like, I just don't want to be around them anymore. I'm just done. Well, I'm thinking about this guy who I worked with at one of my jobs who started a rumor that I was having an affair with the boss. Oh, wow. <laughs> the married boss. Right. Okay. Like, like I, which was as untrue as anything. 
and we're Facebook friends because he's such a snake that I was afraid to not friend him when he friended me on Facebook. And I just, one of these days, you know, he does, he lives in LA now, but I just, one of these days, I'm going to say something to him. I'm going to run into him somewhere and I'm going to say something to him because that followed me around. Like people, there is, you know, I had a philosophy when I was younger that if some piece of celebrity gossip pleased me, I would believe it. Okay. And I think that it was like a satisfying rumor. Yeah. But it was a rumor. Yeah. You know, and it was um, gross. It was just gross. I had an ex friend who um, was very beautiful, very skinny, just like kind of like a doe, you know, just like, oh, fragile. And somehow she had a pattern where every one of her friends, boyfriends or husbands somehow fell in love with her, right? It was just Mm -hmm. this pattern that like, oh my God, this like my friend's boyfriend you know, he just, he hit on me. I can't believe it. And like her bosses, it was the same thing. She was always close to having affairs, right? It was like this very Mm -hmm. suspicious thing. And she heard a lot of her friends in this way, but always it was never her fault. It was never her fault. And don't you know that I started seeing her because men are dumb. I started seeing her. This is like a dog whistle that only women can hear. And it was very mm-hmm. hard to discern where this woman was evil and, and insecure. She started doing some really weird things with Alex. Like she would like be alone with him in the kitchen in at a party and be like, well, you know how Jen is. Like she started <gasps> like nagging me. Ooh. Ooh. And because Alex and I are so close and because also Alex is so awkward with women or was then, he was like, I don't know, something weird is happening with, oh my God, I almost said her name. Something weird is happening. <laughs> Let's say Sally. Something weird is happening with Sally. It's like, she keeps saying these things about you to me. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then there was like a thing where we'd all be going out and it would be like a really cold night. And like, she would have worn like flats with no socks or like a not warm enough coat. And like some one of the men in the group would have to give her a coat. She was like, obviously like playing some weird thing with men. She's like a very manipulative manic pixie dream girl. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, once I started seeing her do that with Alex, I was like, oh, I can't be friends with you anymore. You've now turned this on me. A thing that I'd been observing you do for years and -hmm. you're turning it on me and fuck this. I'm out. I'm out. One time she borrowed my bathing suit at like a beach trip and she was so skinny and she borrowed my bathing suit and she like came back up from the ocean and it was a string bikini and she came up. She was like, this is just so big on me. And I was just like, oh, Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like these barely detectable things that you're just like, I know you're doing something awful, but nobody else knows. Oh my God. That is the worst. What you have just described is giving me like a stomach ache. It, It was, it was really, really, really bad. And I was, you know, I was tuned in enough to it, but anyway, I just stopped being her friend and it was fine. But what I'm saying is the world is full and like person, that person is damaged, seeking that kind of attention from men. And she sought it at work and she got promotions because of it and you know, whatever. Seeking that kind of attention is so problematic, but I don't want to be around those kinds of people and I don't want to fix somebody. And I never confronted her about it because also 
to how could you confront how could you confront it she would be like oh i'm sorry i just was talking about the bathing suit i'm sorry you know oh yeah um anyway gross. gross that is so gross that is such a toxic toxic person let's take a quick break for some ads how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule, essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. 
You know what? Speaking of a person who gets these nuances really well is I've been listening. I've been re-listening to Fetch the Bolt Cutters, the Fiona Apple album that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so good. It is so, it is uniformly good. It gets at so many things about being a woman. Like it is so worth a, a re-listen. Um, it's this just, there's so many, there's so many good songs in it. I was listening to it this morning and I just, I love everything she, she does in that lyrically and musically. So anyway, that's my wreck of the week. I have a little bit of a mental block about Fiona Apple and I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Maybe I've told this on the podcast before. I don't remember. Uh, when I was writing profiles, when I was in my 30s, Us Magazine, which was was before it turned into a gossip magazine when they used to do profiles, sent me to LA to interview her. Okay. And I showed and I showed up at the shoot because even though that's the last place you ever want to do the interview, that's where they told me I had to do the interview. You always want something slightly more interesting, even if it's sitting in a restaurant. And I show up and the only person there is the photographer's assistant. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh yeah, it's been, it's been canceled. I was like, the shoot's been canceled. She's like, the whole thing, it's all been canceled. So I flew my ass out to Los Angeles. Wow. <laughs> and then just like, was like, wah, wah. Us, my, my editor was like, yeah, stay a couple days, you know? So fun. she just ghosted, but did she just ghost or? I think she must have. No, I don't think she ghosted because otherwise we would have just been sitting there like tapping our fingers. I think she called whoever she had to call and they canceled it. And so then a few months later, she was on the cover of Spin mm. and I was on staff at Spin at the time. And so um, they had a big party for this issue. It was like their girl culture issue mm -hmm. with her on the cover. I believe I'm not mixing things up. And um, I was, I said to a friend of mine, there's Fiona Apple. She didn't, she blew me off when I went to Los Angeles. I'm so tempted to say something to her. My friend was like, let me take care of it. <laughs> and she walks up to her and she's like, hi, Fiona, I'm Kim France. I was supposed to interview you in Los Angeles and you didn't show up. And it was just super upsetting for me. She manages to completely unhinge Fiona Apple, who runs off and cries. Oh. And then and then my friend who was the boss of me at Spin was like, Kim, do not rattle the rock stars' cages. Because it ended up being like a page six item. Oh my God. Oh my God. I know. So I really I owe it to Fiona Apple, really, I guess, in the end to listen to Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Oh, oh God. Well. I think that Fetch the Bolt Cutters, really listening to it, as even particularly that song, will make you understand what she was going through at the time. I think she was going through a really rough time speaking, you know, speaking of speaking correctly about mental health crises. Yeah, I think she had some issues when she, and she had fame very young. She had fame very young, but also they were trying to put her in a box that she just wasn't, you know, because that was... Just think about that time. It's just like what every, you know, how much we, every, every musician had to be like over-sexualized. It was just, mm -hmm. you know, if you weren't over-sexualized, if you were young, young woman, then you weren't going to find fame. I mean, that's all we wanted yeah. out of them. We wanted them in like bare midriffs and little heels and, you know, like be sexy, be, that's how we're going to do the, you know, holding a teddy bear. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. There was just like a whole period where like every, <laughs> I did a whole slideshow about this at one point 
for some place I worked, which was why are all these celebrities holding teddy bears in photo <laughs> shoots? If you look it up, it's like Britney Spears holding a teddy bear in like a bra and panties, Jennifer mm. Aniston holding a teddy bear. It's just one infantilizing but sexualized photo shoot after another. I think it, yeah. Because it's like male photographer, male photographer, male photographer. Yeah, it's like Love's Baby Soft. Was that the name of that perfume? It was like a, yes. a, li a little girl, but also a sexy woman. Ew. You can try hard or you can try soft. Oh, ah. <laughs> That's what their that's what their motto was. They had a commercial. You uh, can try hard, and the hard girl was like driving in a convertible and like whistling at the guy. Or you can try soft, and she's like with a puppy. Oh, oh my god! Oh, disgusting! It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Any of us turned out okay after all the crap that was we were subjected to. It's amazing that we're like alive in our, you know, 40s and 50s and came out relatively unscathed considering just the, the how over-sexualized we all were at such a young, young age. I think about this now that I'm around 12 and 13 and 14 year olds, I'm just like, these are stupid children. This, these are not sex objects. These are dummies. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it, 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 it's really true. And it's another thing I was thinking about having all my nephew's friends around because they're all just so poised. Like when I talk to them, they're yeah. so poised and they're like, of course you would find me fascinating. Right. You know, just like, and, it, 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 and a couple of them came over and brought um, presents like host gifts. Wow. You know, like one of them brought some flowers from his mother's garden. One of them brought a count pound cake. But they're still just little tiny dummies. They don't know anything. They don't know anything. And I think that because, I mean, I hope that because they're not being sexualized in the same way and this isn't being forced on them, adulthood isn't being forced on them too early, that they get to be more emotionally sophisticated as they're growing older. You know, they get to sort of like grow up at a pace and sort of grow into themselves emotionally but they all wear shorts that don't cover their butts well that's like they're sexualized they're sexualizing themselves that's what i think is kind of interesting is i don't think they realize and maybe they do the degree to which they're sexualizing themselves but is that sexualizing yourself just where just being okay in your body and just like where like i don't know that's not the same thing as like the as loves baby soft. It's not the same thing. No, it's not the same message. It's not the same message at all. It's not the same thing. And like that's on us. There are people are allowed to wear whatever the fuck they want. They could wear yeah. they could wear pasties on their nipples. And like that's on us as a society to be like, yeah, they have who gives a shit. It's fine. They're they're in a it's inappropriate to find them sexual because that is too young to be a sexual being for an older person. For an older person. And yet it's so, it's, it's such a, I don't, you know what, it's such a like slippery slope and it's, I, ugh. I know yeah. no, it is, it is, it is a slippery it's a slope. Hard one. It is a slippery slope. And you know, I don't know how, I mean, I was, I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. I was forbidden to wear certain things. Like I remember my dad just being like, you're not going out in that, that no way. Like <clears throat> it was always, but that puts the impetus on you. Like the, the, the girl or, you know, whatever the boy, whoever it is, but it puts it on you. Like, why, why aren't you wearing a bra? I hated bras. I still do. I shouldn't have had like, that's 
men, older men should not have been looking at me. It's just the way it is. I know, but they do. They do. They're, our whole culture trains them to, and they do. I know. I know. So what do you do with that? You know, because they are sexualizing teenage girls. I know. I know. It's, it's just, a, it's a, oh, I don't, I don't have any answers. That's the truth. I'm ignorant and I don't have any answers. I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk about sexualizing young girls. I don't know how to talk about guns. I don't know anything. I just feel like people should be able to wear what they want. No, I agree with you. I agree with you, but, and I, I realize this sounds really conservative, but if you are going to wear certain things, then be aware that you may incite certain very inappropriate and wrong reactions, but that that might happen. Okay. But let's, let's, okay. But let's like, uh, let's go further up a little bit. Right. And let's think about why don't we, why don't we, instead of policing what girls wear, because there's a lot of dress code stuff for girls, you know, short, mm-hmm. can't have short at schools and, you know, oh, uh, oh, well, you know, and, and then it gets into, she was asking for it because of how short her dress was, et cetera, et cetera. I think that we need to twist that whole thinking around. And, and I think we're starting to, at least in liberal enclaves, but I think that we need to twist that whole thinking around and teach boys that girls' bodies are not just for their consumption. Well, absolutely. And yes. And of course I agree with you about, you know, it's tricky. The whole thing's tricky. The whole thing's tricky and toxic masculinity is, is tricky and it is a, it's been in ingrained in us for centuries and it's going to be hard to disentangle from. Yeah. It's not easy. Um, speaking of nothing, (laughs) 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 I'm moving us out of this. I am going to do Jamie Attenberg's Thousand Words of Summer. I'm going to try to write a novel. That is my thing I am going to do. I've decided. God forbid, God forbid you should just enjoy a few weeks <laughs> without any pressure of any sort. I can't help myself, but I've been I've been thinking about the things I've regretted the most in my life and it's anytime I didn't do something I wanted to do because it seemed like, "Oh, that might be too hard." Mm-hmm. And I, I want to figure out if I can write a novel. I don't know if it'll be good or, or not, but, and I want to write a novel before I'm 50 and I'm going to be 50 in, I don't know, like 10 months. And I want to figure out if I can do it. And Jamie Attenberg, if anybody doesn't know, she's a writer and she does this thing called thousand words of summer. And every day you write a thousand words for a month. And by the end, you'll have, you know, 30,000 words of something. And it starts on June 4th, so we'll be a little late when this comes out. It'll be a couple days into it. But I'm going to start, yeah, it'll be two days into it. So you can catch up if you want to join me. Um, I'm going to try to write a 1,000 words a day and see what happens. Like that 1,000 words doesn't take that long. It takes like an hour and a half. But a 1,000 decent words. They don't have, but they don't have to. They don't have to be decent. I think this sounds very intriguing. You've done this before, right? I did this, I did this, um, a couple of years ago when I just started working on the book that became my book. So those, I didn't even use many of those words, but some of them I pulled out, some of them I pulled out wholesale and, and are, are right in this book, but it just start just writing every day helps you get into the mode of writing and it helps you start working things out and you have to start somewhere if you're going to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. anyway, and I've been reading, or I'm about to start reading a bunch of uh, novels from people I really like. Like I happened to find Deborah Levy's novel. I forget what it's called, but then I'm also going to read this Lori Moore novel. 
um, Who Will Run the Frog Hospital, which mm-hmm. I've never read. Um, she's so wonderful. She's the best. She's so good. Yeah. So it's just fun. It's like a hobby. It's like a hobby almost. I don't That's knit. Super cool. I don't knit. I mean, I don't do shit. So funny. Why was I? We were just talking about hobbies last night. Why were we just talking about hobbies? I forget. I have nothing to add. Do you, just I. I too. I don't have a hobby. I could. I could use a hobby. I don't really have a hobby either. Like I always am. Like ceramics. Like I was. I, I was like. <laughs> I was working in a wood. Um, a community woodshed for a while. Not wood. A community wood. Whatever. I was working with wood. I was woodworking for a minute. I was like. I made a chair. I made a cutting board. I made a wooden spoon. I was like, I was like trying to do stuff, but then I was, the the sanding is too tedious. You know, my mom who designed jewelry when she was younger um, and retired from doing that now like takes collage classes all the time. Yeah. And she is so in love with it. It makes her so happy. She just, when she's out in Sag Harbor, she's got her bedroom is just full of like papers and collages she's made and she's completely content to just be in her room for hours doing that. And that's a really nice thing. Yeah. I mean, do you, wait, do you have, you don't have any hobbies. Do you have any hobbies? I can't, I don't know that I've ever had a hobby. I mean, I used to really love horseback riding. Maybe that was my hobby when I was younger, but I haven't, I don't think I've had an adult hobby. Yeah. I mean, I've tried and and given up on a lot of things. Like I really thought that I was going to get into sewing that didn't, that just didn't work out. It like, <laughs> it just was too, it's like too, it's tedious. I can't handle things that are that, that are that like, you know, just little details, but like cross stitch. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what I did this weekend? Another thing I did this weekend was I spoke at a writing class. Megan Stilstra has a memoir writing class and I, I spoke at the writing class and I did have this feeling at the end of the class, I had a really good time. And I thought, I wonder if I want to teach in my, into my old age. And I was wondering if you ever thought about teaching. I would say that my ambitions to teach, which I definitely had, were mitigated by being married to a teacher. Oh, interesting. Interesting. What does that mean? Um, the grading never ends. The parents, depending on where you teach are a nightmare. Right. Um, the job, you know, it, you do get summers off and that's really wonderful, but it's just, there is so much work and so much of it is thankless. Right. Right. Um, but you know, I did get asked at one point to teach a summer school class at NYU and it paid about $4. So I didn't do it. Um, but I I was very tempted. I thought it would be cool. And the woman who was trying to hire me said she loved to hire editors because she thought they made such good teachers. Yeah. I think you would be a good teacher is what I was thinking. I think that you would actually be a good teacher. It could, it could be true. Yeah. I don't know. I just was wondering if you ever thought about that. And I, I, I have, we'd never, we have never talked about it. When Lucky ended, I got in touch with a friend who runs the alumni magazine at Oberlin where I went. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is, do you think this is something that could ever happen? Yeah. And he was like, you think you want that to happen. You don't really want that to happen. <laughs> He's like, very common fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I would only want, I, I thought the catapult, if anybody is out there, um, any listeners out there trying to write something from scratch, I really was impressed with the way the catapult classes are, are set up. 
like I, there are a lot of fucking scam writing classes. There are mm-hmm. so many run by scammers who don't know shit. I've spoken at them. They're, they suck, etc. This was really interesting because first off, Megan is such a good teacher, but Catapult, you write like a whole memoir over the course of I don't know how many months. And then you you trade you write in process with a class with deadlines. You write the whole memoir mm-hmm. together. It's like a very small class. All the people in the class read each other's memoirs, give notes, and then independently of that, part of your um, fee is an independent editor at Catapult who's not a part of the class reads your work and gives you notes. So it is actually like, I was so impressed with this program because part of it is instruction, part of it is workshopping, and part of it is like speakers come in and, you know, people have written several books come in and like tell you what they've done. I just feel like the way Catapult is doing these classes, it it seemed really impressive to me and something that would really work. Mm-hmm. Like Megan brought me in because I just finished a memoir and this class, they were just um they were just working on the ends of their memoirs. So it was like very aligned that I could talk, I could speak to that very specific topic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, so I, I was impressed with that and I'm I'm very rarely impressed with this kind of shit. Um, so hmm. anyway, anybody who's looking for writing classes, I think catapult has excellent ones. Good to know. Do we have any, um, listener questions this week? Oh, we do. We do shit. <laughs> okay. Here's some listener questions. Here we go. Okay. I've done some book events lately and I look quote unquote awful in photographs. I had lunch with my BFF and told her I need to lose weight. But when she looked at the photos, she was like, oh my God, that dress is so unflattering. Would love some ideas if anyone has any of how to look good in photos. Um, this is a fashion question. Um, I wish I knew the exact con- leg configuration that I was once taught like one leg sort of bends in front of the other and then you're kind of at an angle. So you always look skinnier. Like one rule is just never stand there with your feet planted in place, standing straight on to the camera. Always put yourself at an angle. And also if you're self-conscious about your arms, put your hands on your hips. Yes. Hands on your hips is one, but also I think that sometimes and I've, I've certainly had this experience. I like billowy clothes, but really you want something form fitting. You have to have, like, if you're going to, you, you need to have something that gives you a shape. I think just, just, just 58 to 49 here. Like it gets, it gets, I'm at a point right now where there's no, there's basically no part of my body. I want to have form fitting clothes on. Okay. Okay. I mean, but don't you feel like you could put on a dress, a kind of shapeless dress and belt it? No, because my waist isn't very small at all right now. So it just, it actually is unflattering. The only dresses I can wear that I think look good on me are shirt dresses because they're not too voluminous. Okay. You know, I do, I keep, I keep volume to a minimum because volume just makes me look huge, but I also, I don't like things to be form fitting. Okay. But you're saying that you keep volume to a minimum. Yes, I do keep volume to a minimum. 
I would say that, you know, and like, look, I don't want my, like, I'm, I'm fairly thin and I don't want that to get in the way of us giving style advice. Like, I don't want to be a fucking obnoxious asshole. I think Lindy West dresses amazingly well. I think she is, she always looks good. She does a lot of, um, she does a lot of outfits on her Instagram and she has a lot of brands for, you know, plus size women. And, um, I think that she's a really good person to follow because I think she looks really sexy. I think her clothes fit her really well. I think she always looks stylish and good. Um, Because another question is, are there fashion bloggers that you follow for women 40 plus? No. 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 I mean, I know some of them. I, 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 I don't love any of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't. I, you know, I, and and it's a shame because women 40 plus have great style often. Is it a proportion issue? If it's not going to be form fitting, is it a proportion issue with the clothes? Maybe. I don't know. What do we know? We don't know about this. What do we know? No, we don't know. We need somebody else to come on and talk about it. All right. Yeah. And we do. And we have a fashion person coming soon. Yes, we will. We will. We will talk about it. Sorry for our ignorance. Okay. Um, (laughs) next question. Um, I've appreciated your conversations about the decisions to or not to have children. I chose not to have children. When I turned 50, I felt some loss or void in my life. I don't have any nieces or nephews. I'd love to be a mentor to a younger woman. Have you mentored anyone professionally or personally? Would you want to? How would you go about it? I mean, I've never felt like I was, I didn't feel like I was a mentor until a few people told me I had been a mentor. And I think that it's something that happened. And when I had a mentor, it was a very informal thing. And I think that it was an informal thing when I was a mentor. And it usually happens around a workplace. But I know that there are, you know, and of course, I don't know what, but there are mentorship programs that actually exist that you can get involved in. Yes, there are. I mean, I've I have like not form. I I don't, I mean, I don't even know what formal mentoring is. I think that there are a handful, maybe a half a dozen to a dozen of my former employees, maybe more, or people I've just met along the way who are, you know, 10, 20 years younger than me that I know that I am their go-to when they're making career transitions. I know that Mm -hmm. I, they come to me for career advice. They come to me for referrals, um, or reference letters. Um, Increasingly, I feel like I am not relevant in that world in terms of like job jobs. And I don't, I don't ever want to be a person who's just like, I'm old and I'm bloviating about careers when Mm -hmm. I don't know shit. Cause I kind of feel not, my advice would not be relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. But there's, there are things like uh, Tiffany Dufu's The Crew that you can join Mm -hmm. and that pairs you up with younger people. And also it's kind of like an intergenerational mentorship. So I feel like looking for those kinds of organizations and Tiffany Dufu is just the best, but um, the crew might be something. I I think networking groups in general, you might be able to find women's networking groups. You might be able to find something that where you could, your services would be of use. Mm-hmm. And also I bet contacting colleges or your former college, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the only thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say is that I would just, I would be cautious about trying to fill a hole that may exist because you have, don't have children with these people who really want to get work advice from you. Like I would try, I, I don't know if that's the right way to scratch that itch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's just a thought. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Fuck yeah. me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know either. I mean, um, I don't know either. That's, that's it for the questions. Cause I didn't ask questions. So those were the leftovers from last week. So I don't okay. know. That's it. We've done it. We've done a full hour of everything is fine. Um, our advice this week, you know what? Cause giving advice is bullshit. That's the thing. Cause everybody's experience is so unique to them. We can talk all we want about what's happened to us and how we found our ways, but mm-hmm. it's really hard. And I feel like so many people are like, I'm a guru. And it's like, fuck off, Ugh. man, fuck off. You had one experience and that is the lens through which you see life and you can give advice through that lens. And that's it. I just love it when we you talk about the person I know you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're trying not to be we're trying not to be toxic. My entire face is red. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it. We read five-star reviews on the show when we get them. Um, If you want to support the show, if you want to support the production of the show, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We do blogging there and we also have live monthly events over Zoom. We just had one last week, which was super fun. Thank you everybody who joined. Um, If you want to find us on social media, we're at... EIF podcast on Instagram. We also have a private Facebook group. That's everything is fine. The podcast. You can email us. Everything is fine. The podcast at gmail.com. You can find Kim on her blog, girls of a certain age.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. And the show is mixed and edited by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie, for cleaning up the mess week after week. <laughs> <laughs>